Hey y'all, I'm Chelsea. I'm Deidre. And I'm Sarah. And this is Green and Sugar. How is everyone doing on this fine morning? Good. Tired. Me too. I have a hair appointment today and I have to work tonight, but so do you. Minus the hair appointment. Minus the hair appointment. But I don't because I quit. Yeah, I just said she threw them deuces up real quick. We should just start our own business. We know what we should do. We should start a podcast. <gasps> we should. We should totally start <laughs> now, a podcast. If y'all will listen. Aunt Kelly texted me yesterday. She listened to the torso one. Mm-hmm. Did she like it? <laughs> yes. Yay. She listened to the one before that, the one where I was talking about. My dad and the woman. <laughs> oh, God. She said, you had me busting a gut or something like that. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> so today is moi, a.k.a. Chelsea's turn. I'm pretty excited about it because I think I did a really good job on it. You did. You always do a good job. No, I do. Yes, you do. Regardless yeah. of what any little turd nuggets at work say. Yeah, Drake. <laughs> I wasn't going to shout you out. There you go. I'll shout him out. Talking about how. Oh, it wasn't as bad as the other one. Like, I'm new to this, bro. Like, get out of here. It's not as easy as it looks. (laughs) (laughs) So, today, we're going to be talking about the mysterious death of Ellen Greenberg. So, this means it is unsolved. Oh my god. And y'all know how I feel about unsolved cases. Yeah, you yes. know how we it drives feel about me insane. Unsolved cases. Deidre loves them. Deidre it. loves unsolved cases. Well, Deidre's weird. I mean, I want there to be a conclusion, but I just end up finding all these damn unsolved cases and then I I'm do, like I do like when there's a lot of theories and stuff though. Yes. So I feel yeah. like we're, <laughs> we're not as awkward right now because we have our microphones. So it's like we're actually doing something. Yes. We all got our own, so we don't have to be like yeah. Can anyone even hear me? <laughs> but yeah, sh- blah, blah, blah. her case is unsolved, mm. and I hate unsolved cases. But I feel like this case needs some more light shed on it. Mm-hmm. It's really sad. Mm. So every uh, story needs to be told. Every story we tell is sad, obviously, but some stories just hit you right in that spot. So this one is one of those. So mm-hmm. Ellen Ray Greenberg. Also known as Ellie, she was born on June 23rd, 1983 in New York City. She was born to Joshua, don't know this word, but I'm going to try my best, which y'all don't know how this goes. (laughs) Joshua, who is a periodontist. Periodontist, yeah. Okay. (laughs) And Sandra Greenberg, who is a dental hygienist. Obviously, I do have to say that. As a child, Ellen was very girly. She was into all the girly things. She was also very athletic. She is described at, or was described as an incredibly kind and nurturing soul. So it was no surprise when she went into teaching as a profession. And people who knew Ellen said that she had just an incredible energy about her. Her family often talks about her beautiful smile and also her deep laugh. Ellen also grew up very close to her parents and had a very good relationship with them. Ellen's dad said she got into teaching because she loved children she tried to do a speech pathology master but it wasn't for her so she picked up her stuff moved to philadelphia just like was like you know what i'm gonna get my stuff 
and I'm just gonna move. And she went and got her teaching certificate. Why was that so difficult to say? <laughs> teaching certificate, her specialty in reading, and she student taught in Philadelphia while her family was still in Harrisburg. Ella naturally was good at being a teacher, and her students really liked her. Eventually, Ella met this guy named Sam who worked in the TV industry, and he actually worked as a producer for NBC. Oh, yeah, he had a pretty good job. I was like, after they were together for a little over three years, they decided to get engaged and they were really excited, especially Ellen. Like, she was really happy throughout that period, you know, of the engagement. Mm -hmm. They planned for their wedding to be in August of 2011. Her father said that she did eventually find someone that she loved, so he was he felt good about her decision of, you know, saying yes to this guy. He said, once she got engaged, I was hoping she would be happy. He said, my daughter approved and my daughter loved him and he seemed to be a nice person. Mm -hmm. And her dad is so precious and her mom. Uh, They were going to have a big wedding at the Hershey Hotel, which is a landmark here in central Pennsylvania. Obviously not here because I don't live in Pennsylvania, but in Pennsylvania. Yeah, isn't that cool? Have you seen pictures of it? Mm -mm. It's pretty. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> it was January 26, 2011, just a normal morning. While Ellen was on her way to work, she spoke with her mom. They had a pretty typical conversation. They talked about Ellen's taxes because tax, com- tax season was coming up. Um, she just told her a few pointers and things she needed to get in line to make sure she's all good, you know, for her taxes. Being a mom. Yeah, being a mom. So, that day was very snowy. Mm. And there was a huge ice storm outside, or snowstorm. Sorry, I'm just traumatized by the ice storm <laughs> that we've had here storm. in Kentucky. So, oh no. Um, it started to get worse throughout the day, and eventually school was dismissed early for the day. So that meant Ellen would be going home early. Um, Ellen helped all her students call their parents just to make sure they had a ride home because she's just that type of person, oh. you know. Yeah. Because, you know, some people we had back in the day, they'd just Bye. be like, okay, you got to ride, I'm out. Like, I don't care, I ain't waiting around, you know. And then she herself headed out. So, on the way home, she stopped, she stopped at a gas station and filled up her tank, and then she went back to her loft. She and Sam were living in the Venice lofts in lower northwest Philadelphia. She got home, and Sam was also home at the time. And the two of them were together until, like, 4.45-ish. When Sam left the loft and went to work out in their complex gym. So Sam went and did his workout. He was only there for like 30 minutes. Afterwards, he walks back to their apartment. But when he gets back, he realized it's locked. He said this was really unusual. He was just at the he was just (laughs) he was just at the apartment, so he knows that Ellen was home. He just thought it was strange. You know, he just left to go to the gym. He comes back, the door's locked, and he knows she's home. Yeah, why so why is the door locked? Out. He has his key so he can unlock it. But what was strange was that it was locked with the swing lock. Okay. Well, yeah, this is- he said that this was something that they only did at night to keep themselves safe. And mm-hmm. Ellen was home, and she knew that he was at their, at their gym and would be, and would be back <laughs> very soon. So he texts her, hello, open the door. What are you doing? These are separate texts. Then he says, I'm getting pissed. Then he says, hello, you better have an excuse. And then he says again, what the fuck? You have no idea. Because mind you, it's snowy outside, so I'm sure he's freezing. Yeah. 
So eventually, Sam decided that he was just incredible. This was incredibly <laughs> unusual, and he started to worry. So he went and talked to the security guard at the complex who told him, you know, I can't let you in there. I can't unlock the door for you. That's just against policy for safety reasons. Okay, so for one, he lives there. Yeah. So why couldn't you have unlocked the door for him? Like, that makes no sense to me. I mean, and they would have a record that he's in that room. Well, yeah. I mean, wouldn't his name and her name be on it? I mean, I know some people don't do that, but I mean, come on. He was her apartment first, so she was well, the only They one said on that there. him and her and Sam both had an apartment complex. I don't know. So Sam decided the only thing he could do in this situation was to break in. And he actually brought the security guard with him. And his name was Phil Hanson, who was 67 years old. Okay. So, Sam was the person that broke down the door when, and when he opened the door, he was shocked to find Ella on the floor and clearly dead. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. So. escalated too quick. It did. Yeah. I'm not ready. I thought she was going to be, like, missing. <laughs> no. As soon, <laughs> as soon as you walk into their apartment, their kitchen is pretty much, like, right there in front of you. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes a little bit to the right. He sees that Ellen's on the floor, but she's propped up against the cabinet. So her upper body is leaning back against the cabinet with her feet just splayed out in front of her. Oh, God. And what was strange was in Ellen's hand was a pristinely clean white towel. What the fuck? They immediately called the police and dispatch told Sam to start doing chest compressions, you know, they want you to try to do everything you can until they get there, whatever. And he did start doing CPR. However, during the process, he noticed there was a knife still lodged inside of her. And so dispatch obviously told him to stop. I don't understand how you don't notice it when you like lay her down. Because you're going to have to lay her down to do the CPR. Like you can't just do it while she's sitting up. down. probably in shock. Maybe so. Who knows? Where was the knife? It was in her chest. Oh, so he, yeah. Well, no, it didn't say. It was just lodged inside of her. But I think it was, I mean, that would have been a great Either point way. to say where it was at, obviously. <laughs> but that's not how way, I roll, apparently. Laying flat well, out, you would. Yeah, you'd think you, you would see it. I mean, unless it was so far in there. But I mean, hang on, the hand ramp. Okay, anyway. <laughs> so that's just too much. <laughs> Sam stopped, and he was totally freaked out. And when the police got there, they came in, took a look at the scene, and could tell she was gone. There, were, there was nothing that could be done, and Ellen was tragically pronounced dead at 6.40 p.m. there in her kitchen. So pretty much right away, the police treated this as a suicide. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. But whatever happened, looked like Ellen was about to start having some fruit before it happened. There was a strainer filled with blueberries that she had just washed, and she had also just sliced some oranges still sitting there open. There were also two completely clean knives in the sink just laying there. So why would she be like... I'm going to eat fruit. No, instead. I'm going to stab myself. Yeah. It gets crazier. Grab on to your handlebars because it's about to to take you you for a ride. I don't want to take you on this ride. I like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So after checking the premises and looking at all the entry points, they determined that no one had broken in. And they also found no evidence that Ellen herself had tried to leave at any point. So, their apartment complex has surveillance cameras, surveillance cameras in the main entrance, but they do not have any in the hallway leading up to the apartment. And after they interviewed people that worked there, no one had noticed anything. No one had seen anyone strange coming in. Of course, they didn't. The usual. 
They also interviewed neighbors, and no one heard any type of disturbance other than Sam loudly banging on the door to get in. So before I go further, I just want to let y'all know. We will be talking about the condition of her body quite a bit. Um, It's pretty important for this case. Okay. And some of you might find it disturbing. So Ellen had no defense wounds, no signs on her body that she had tried to fight anyone off, and there was also no blood found outside of the kitchen. They tested the knife and ended up only having Ellen's DNA on it, of course. Their apartment was on the sixth floor, and there was no sign that anyone had climbed up there and broke into the apartment. There was no footprint in the snow, so of course police were thinking suicide. And a lot of people with the information I've given so far would probably think the same thing. I don't know why, but... I mean, there's some people out there that, that think stuff like that. Well, I mean, you beyond me. Like some of the most prolific serial killers, they got away with it for so long because a lot of people like that, unfortunately, are super freaking smart. Yeah. And like they know how to do this stuff and not lead back to them at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you ready for this? No. no. But go ahead. <laughs> so they say after Ellen's death, the medical examiner started the autopsy. There were eight stab wounds mm. to her chest area, and they ranged. On how deep they went, some of them only went 0.2 centimeters, while others, the knife that was still in her, I'm pretty sure it was her chest, so mm-hmm. whatever, <laughs> went four inches deep. Ooh. She also had a two-inch stab wound to her stomach, and she had a two-and-a-half-inch gash on her scalp, and this is what really makes it hard to believe that this was a suicide. Okay. She had 10, 10 stab wounds to the back of her neck. Oh, there were also 11 bruises on Ellen's body that were all over her right arm, her abdomen, and her right leg. But it's a suicide, guys. Thrown around. Yeah. So some of these bruises were new that looked like they had just been there in the last couple of days. But some of them look older, like they have been there for a few weeks. They also noted that these bruises could have come from the physical activity that she did at her yoga class. Oh, her father, they obviously have never done yoga. Well, her father said, when the autopsy was done, the injuries and wounds were found on her body were different stages of healing that could only have been done by an abusive person. Mm-hmm. He said that the detective said that there were they were the wounds of yoga or Pilates. He said Ellie never took yoga or Pilates. How could he possibly say that? So at the end of the autopsy, the medical examiner actually ruled this as a homicide. Good, thank you. Now, what's crazy is no one from the medical examiner's office or the police station, because see, in the beginning, the police treated it as a homicide. Now, the medical examiner is saying that it's a homicide. You mean treated as a suicide? Yes, treated as a suicide. They weren't concerned that it was a homicide at all. You always, even if you know 99.99% sure it's a suicide, treat it as a freaking homicide. Yeah. And the crazy part about the medical examiner's office doing that them nor the police station ever contacted Ellen's family. Her parents found out about this news that was declared a homicide by the medical examiner from their friends, like through them, and they had seen it on the news. So they found this out through a friend who saw it on the news. news. How shitty is that? Your first call is to the coroner or whatever, medical examiner, whatever. Second call is always to the family. Like, how do you not call them? So So they knew that she was dead, but then they found out Later, they were like, it's suicide. So they were like having to deal with that. Like, why did I do Yeah, the police were treated as a... Then, 
Then they heard from a friend, oh, they're changing it to a homicide. Like, hey, I just seen on the news that their Ellen's like case a is a homicide. Like, yeah, and they're probably like, do they have any leads? They're probably calling them for information yeah. and not realizing they're telling them. I mean, that the kind of thing is really frustrating. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just don't understand. Yeah, how are you not going to Communication fails. Ha- I know it happens all the time, but. That's not even like a failure in communication. That's just a failure in police doing their job. I don't understand how every last detail can't be clearly communicated to the family. You know what I mean? Like, that's just Mm -hmm. shitty. Yeah. I mean, so Ellen's parents were absolutely devastated by the news of Ellen's death. They just couldn't believe that it was even, even possible that she would have committed suicide. They held her funeral in the Beth L. Temple in Harrisburg. And when they were there... Sam ended up telling a bunch of their friends and family that her death had been ruled a homicide. Obviously, people hearing this, friends and family, are really upset. They're concerned and hoping that the answer is that the truth comes out. So once this case was ruled a homicide, the Philadelphia Homicide Unit decided to step in and take a look at this case further. So now they're going to investigate. They were able to look at Sam's key fob records and track exactly where he went. They were also able to compare his timeline that he had given them to security videos that they had. And after they did that, they had said everything Sam had said matched up and checked out. So he was ruled out. Yes. Okay. The security video showed that no one authorized exited or entered the complex during the time of Ellen's death. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Only a few days later, on January the 29th, 2011, the police announced that even though, are you, I mean, are you all ready for this? I really just don't think that you are. I'm holding, I'm holding the handlebars, the metaphor. metaphor. Only <laughs> a few days later, January 29th, 2011, even though the medical examiner had ruled this a homicide, they were still going to be looking at this as a suicide. I'm trying to figure out who's going to stab themselves 11 times in the back of the neck to try to kill themselves. But okay. okay. And it's just like statistics. Like women, the amount of women that commit suicide with a Mm -hmm. knife is low. Oh, honey. Women usually use pills. Second option is a gun. I got you. Why do I know that? (laughs) I got you. Because you you. just got to find this shit out sometimes. So they were looking into Ellen's background and her mental health history. When they looked more into her background, talked to family and friends, and just kind of got an idea of what her life was like, at this time, they found that a month or two before this happened, there was a big change in Ellen's demeanor. Her parents claimed that Ellen was usually very bubbly, she was very friendly, very warm, but lately she was very shut down and very anxious. She always seemed to be worried about something, and she was extremely unsettled. When they would ask her exactly what was wrong, She would just say that she was stressed out about her job, and that was it. Hmm. So they interviewed some teachers that worked with Ellen and asked if she seemed really stressed out about the job. Everyone said that she didn't seem any more stressed out than any other teacher in the building. So teaching was a stressful job, but you know, Ellen seemed to love her job. She loved her kids. She worked with... I love that you just sing away the mistake. I do. I sing that mistake away in Jesus' name, and he takes it, and he just be gone. Ellen seemed to love her job. She loved the kids she worked with. So everyone at the school was really surprised. Her mom said she was getting up, going to work every day, functioning, but stressed. 
But they found out that Ellen around this time had been telling her parents that she wanted to quit her job and she actually asked them to move back in with them at their home in Harrisburg. They wanted to ask her if there was anything else that was causing her to be upset, but she just said that she was stressed out and she wanted to come home. Her father said she wanted to come home after a while. She talked about coming home and leaving her job in Philadelphia as an elementary school teacher. We were upset about that, he said. I was upset about that because as a father, I didn't want her to walk away from a job that she could lose and not have to be on her record that she walked away from her job. Yeah, he didn't want her to burn that bridge. Mm -hmm. They thought this was odd, especially because she was supposed to be getting married that August. She was even working on Save the Date cards. Mm -hmm. The wedding was going forward, and according to Ellen, everything was good with Sam. Her father said, even though she wanted to come home, Ellen was still planning to have the wedding. She had just sent out the Save the Date cards. I knew something was different in my daughter. She wasn't the same. She was just different. I can't put my foot on it. I don't have experience in psychology, and I don't have enough to say, but I knew that something had changed. That's really sad. Yeah. Her parents were still really concerned. They said that this seemed to be a big change in Ellen and that they wanted her to see a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. So that's when she ended up going to see Dr. Berman. Her father said Ellen had made a deal. She would go see a psychiatrist because I also thought things had changed in her personality. I didn't know what, but I think this whole thing was sort of a change. And she was, and she saw Dr. Ellen Berman, and he said, I think, for three visits. Mm-hmm. Isn't that where her name's Ellen, too? I feel like I'm out of breath. <sighs> Just that. Okay. The, pro- <laughs> the progress they were making seemed way. good. Ellen seemed happier, Dr. Berman put in her notes, which they have copies of. Her dad also said that Ellen was not, that in Berman's notes, she put Ellen was not suicidal. Okay. He Mm -hmm. said, we also now have Dr. Berman's diagnosis development, having an adjustment disorder with anxiety. This is not something that you'll commit suicide over, is what he said. Uh But after her death, when Ellen's job was taken over by another teacher, that teacher could find nothing wrong in her lesson plans, um, in her books, like her keeping books. um, Everything was Immaculate, he said. She wasn't like in a psychotic or, break or no, anything. She yeah. was, no, she's she, she cared about she cared about the children. Yeah, I'm sure many of you can relate to that kind of situation. I mean, I myself have struggled with depression, anxiety. You know, mental health is a very tough battle, mm-hmm. and sometimes it can feel like you're fighting alone. Yeah. So, hi, don't cry. I mean, but, that's yeah. a lot of what depression is. Yeah. I mean, you can be surrounded by people, and the more people you're around, just the more alone you feel. This is sad. I know. That's why you should always check on your friends and family, no matter if they act okay. Cry. Be that person that gets on their freaking nerves because you won't shut up asking them if everything's okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like at work, like, Deja, are you okay? Yeah. yeah well, I'm you're okay. lying. I know you're yeah. lying. And then Sarah, no. like, you okay? Yeah. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just mad. My you can tell when I'm mad and when something's <laughs> actually bothering me. They know um, when to leave me alone. Right, them labels the roof again. Right. Here we go. What the? <laughs> Try. So Dr. Berman ended up putting Ellen on a few different medications for the issues that she was experiencing. Mm-hmm. She was on the anti-anxiety drug Klonopin, a very okay. common antidepressant called Zoloft, mm-hmm. Ambien, which is a sleep aid, and Xanax, which is another anti-anxiety drug. And these drugs do list suicidal thoughts and behaviors, you know, as possible side effects. Mm-hmm. 
but it should be noted that only Kalanapin and Ambien were found in Ellen's system at the time of her death. Nothing okay. recreational or anything that she was taking that was, you know, wasn't prescription. Right. So now, some have definitely theorized it as a big topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. Obviously, oh, she was on these, so, you know, suicide is a side effect. That's what, it, you know, it makes sense, you know. Yeah. I mean, were people thinking that some of her meds weren't in her system, so maybe that was why? That's what I was yeah, going to say. Maybe. Because sometimes if you are on that kind of medication and then you stop taking it because mm-hmm. you feel like you're okay, it can make things worse than it was when you started taking them. Yeah. yeah. You know, in any other situation, I could be like, you know, yeah, this could be a, but just yeah, but then, her wounds. And, it doesn't yeah. make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't understand how anybody could even say that in this, in this situation. Right. Because she stabbed herself 11 times in the back of the neck. Yeah. And then Tell me why I spoke. In the stomach and in the. I spoke topic T-O-P-O-I-C. Topic. Topic. The biggest one that's brought up for this is definitely Zoloft. Ellen's parents do not believe this is the case, and neither do experts that are on their team. They also make the point that Ellen was looking forward to her future. At the time, she was planning a wedding, and she did have a lot to look forward to. I mean, she was happy with Sam, but, you know, we don't always know what's truly going on, and it's proven over and over again that if someone seems okay, you know, we're planning for the future or excited some excited sometimes they can experience suicidal thoughts. I mean it doesn't matter What's if someone on? yeah, like yeah. if someone seems like really, really happy with their life, it could just be a front because they don't want you to know that they're not doing okay, you know. Yeah. Some of the happy happiest people you meet have, you know, the darkest thoughts going yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so but I'm not saying that's the case here. I just Right. We're going to let that known that it's possible because, I mean, it is common that people do that. Yeah. And it can be mis- it can be very misinterpreted. Um, so, some people don't show signs the way others do either. You just never know. It's, right. I mean, there's common signs, but everybody reacts different to everything. Yeah, everybody so. is their yeah. own person, and they act completely different. <sighs> Deidre, <laughs> I think you passed the to me. I did. I must have did again. <laughs> After they looked through her phone and her personal records, they didn't find anything suspicious. So what gets me is the physical evidence. That's what really gets me. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> excuse, uh, I'm sorry. A woman stab wounds? Okay. In the yeah. neck? In the neck? Okay. Well, she's got okay. stab wounds, yeah, to the, the back, back of the neck. neck. Several that are to an area that just do not seem to align with suicide at all. Mm-hmm. First of all, most people can agree that stabbing yourself in the back of your neck would be extremely difficult to do. I mean, for yeah. starters, I'm like, it may not be. I mean, no, it's not impossible. It's but not impossible, but I mean, <laughs> I'm not me. It's extremely, it's uncommon. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I just feel like it's uncommon, like people doing that. It is. I mean, I mean, we've heard plenty of cases of suicide and stuff because of, you know, what we're interested in. And yeah. I've never heard of anybody committing suicide Mm-mm. that way. Well, I looked it up and I found that 1% to 3% of suicide attempts are by stabbing. Mm-hmm. Right. Normally, the actual mortality rate for these types of suicide attempts is very low. Low. Yeah, because people right. don't, there's always that hesitation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then stabbing yourself isn't going to give you, it's right. a less likely chance that you're going to die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you would have to keep doing it. 
but who would decide to stab themselves in the back of the neck? Well, I think that. us three can agree that it's just a bizarre way yes. to try to end your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, is, it just seems weird to stab yourself multiple times. Right. You would want, you wouldn't want to draw it out. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're ready to end your life. You're ready to end your life. You're yeah, not ready to. I'm not trying to be graphic, but what you would think you wouldn't you want to stab yourself somewhere where you knew it was going to work? And I wouldn't keep stabbing myself in the neck if I didn't get it right the first time. That's <laughs> no, just it, just, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Yeah. Me so the police believed it was suicide. Mm-hmm. Even after the medical examiner's report, they believe that the smaller and shallower, pu- shallower, <laughs> shallower puncture wounds were just tests by Ellen. No so, comment. Tests for what? Also, if you stab yourself in the neck, you're probably going to injure... Like, you could cut something, injure something where you can't even move. Uh, anyway, okay. Mm-hmm. She killed herself. <clears throat> the detective John McNamee, Namey, McName, whatever, mm-hmm. I say it. Sorry, sir. <laughs> suggested hiring an outside neuropathologist to review a portion of Ellen's spinal cord to determine if it was damaged by any of the wounds to the back of her neck. Mm-hmm. This is important because if the wounds to the back of the neck damaged her spinal cord mm-hmm. to a certain point, she would have not been able to make the final stab into her chest yes. if the knife was still in. I knew it was in here and it's right there. Which was determined that that was the one that killed her, the one that was in her chest. Right. So she did all of that before the chest. And the neuropathologist okay. who conducted this exam told the police that the spinal cord was hit. Mm-hmm. But the cord was not severed. So they essentially came to the conclusion that this caused Ellen to go numb. Numb, oh. y'all. Numb. Okay. I'm Albert again today. Nice to meet you. <laughs> We're all Albert. He equals MC Albert squared. Einstein's up in this bitch. <laughs> I'm Albert. I'm Albert. And I'm Albert. I'm Albert. And this is Screaming Sugar. <laughs> like, this just makes me sick for the family. Yes. Absolutely sick. All the shit they've been going through. They say that this could have allowed her to repeatedly stabbed herself without feeling as much of the pain. And because of the latest findings and the police report, medical examiners ended up reversing her manner of death and changed it to a suicide. Ellen's poor family found out about this through the media again. The police didn't even bother to call them. Because they know that at this point it is so botched beyond repair and they don't want to take responsibility for it. I'm just yeah. like, how can that even happen? Yeah. And it happens a lot. Like oh, yeah. Absolutely. Just, they just don't tell them anything. Obviously, the family was shocked and devastated that this has happened not once, but twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And pissed. Oh, pissed. pissed beyond belief. Yeah. Understandably. And, they, and, and still, so. even with all that information, still not believing that she killed herself. And I don't either. I mean, if she really did this, that means she stabbed herself 20 times. And even if she did lose feeling, I mean, you're not trying to kill you. Like, it's like, oh, that doesn't hurt bad enough. I need to keep stabbing myself. I feel like if you don't feel anything anymore and you're trying to kill yourself, you would just do something big Mm -hmm. like it was in the end. But would you really do all of these stabbings? Like, okay, well, I tried to stab myself in the back of the neck. So now I'm going to stab myself in the stomach. Oh, I don't seem to be dying. So, like, why wouldn't she just cut her wrist if that were the case? You know, and at that I'm way. still not over the fact that she was making herself something to eat right before. Yeah. No, I'm not going to eat this fruit no more that I just chopped up. Yeah. I ain't about to waste no food like that. If I'm going to kill myself, I'm going to eat it. 
That doesn't make sense. I mean, all jokes aside, like, for real, like, if I'm going to kill myself, I'm going to eat and, like, get a good last meal. I mean, I've never, would never do that. I'm just saying, like, right. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm being serious. Oh, no, it just yeah, doesn't okay. make any sense. No, yeah. it not make no sense. None of it does. So, her family doesn't believe it, and, so don't, and neither do I. Yeah. No, no, you can speak for all of us. None of us believe it. Mm-hmm. So, after thinking about it for months and after processing their grief, the Greenbergs decided that they needed to fight for their daughter and they launched their own quest for answers. They ended up purchasing Ellen's autopsy, which I didn't realize you even had to purchase an autopsy, especially if it's your daughter. Yeah, I guess because it's like a, not a public record, but I guess because it's it's a record. You have to purchase a new birth certificate. If you lose yours, you have to purchase a new social security card. But I I mean, I just feel like that's, in this case, that's kind of... Oh, it is stupid. I mean, they also had to purchase photos from the crime scene, the autopsy, and photos from the medical examiner's report that they had. Like, why? Mm. Is our money going to help the police department? Because they ain't doing our daughter's case. Yeah, that's not doing a damn thing to help us. So they sent everything to a man named Cyril Wett, and he's a forensic pathologist in Pittsburgh who is known as the one who challenged the single bullet theory of. The John F. Kennedy assassination. Oh. Isn't that interesting? When he looked over all the reports, he was shocked to find that Ellen had so many stab wounds. It's one thing to stab yourself. That is very rare. But to have so many stab wounds, especially the ones on the back of your neck, really struck him as incredibly odd. And after looking at everything, he said, I don't understand how they could have ruled this as suicide. And that's how I feel. One disadvantage that they had is the detectives wouldn't allow him to have a copy of their files. So who knows what other information, you know, could have been useful for him, whatever. Who cares? But they're like, oh, this doesn't matter because it's a suicide. Yeah. So the Greenbergs also hired a private attorney who had experience working with police being very difficult. Mm-hmm. He's a civil rights lawyer named Larry Krasner, and he believes that there are substantial questions that remain unanswered in Ellen's death. In May of 2012, he organized a meeting with the Greenbergs, with the police, and also with the representatives from the district attorney's office in an effort to get the investigation reopened. But sadly, nothing came out of this meeting. They just kept going in circles and could not seem to agree. Obviously, we know who wasn't agreeing. Right. The family was mostly frustrated because they wanted to at least have the records that the police had. Their family had to file a public report their family had to file a public records request to get her files. And at first, they were turned down, oh. which is disappointing. But eventually, the police did allow them to look at the files. Good. Thank <laughs> you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Well, the frustrating part about this is they didn't allow them to take any copies, like to make any copies of them. Oh, so they had one chance to oh. sit down, look at it. They couldn't take any pictures. They had to literally absorb as much as they could. Couldn't write anything down. Couldn't probably. write nothing down. Nope. Couldn't do nothing. All wow. they could do was look over. I'm sorry, bit. but what gives them to write? To write. <laughs> what gives them the right to tell a victim's family that they can't have all the information about their loved one's death? Uh, I understand sometimes police keep things close to the vest, as they say, in case you know a killer comes forward and he knows details that weren't released and stuff like that. But this isn't one of those situations. Right. Like Mm -hmm. you have no... They're just being dicks. Yeah, you're not even trying to find leads or suspects or persons of interest. Like you're literally saying it's a suicide. So why should it matter? Why should it matter? If she killed herself, why can't we take these things? 
Mm-hmm. And I think this is like a police jurisdiction, juris, jurisdiction. <laughs> Come on in for the third time. <laughs> third time's a charm. I think that that's what it is, a jurisdiction thing. Because and it almost makes you wonder, like, if the police were involved or if the police were close with someone that did it and they're just helping cover it up. Exactly. Like, Usually when you hear about stuff like this, it's because they know somebody that's close to the case or it's a conflict of interest yeah. or, or whatever. Mess something up so bad that they know it's going to come back on yeah. them. So they're just going to sweep it under the rug. Mm-hmm. Well, her father said the medical examiner and his office, the police, the district attorney at the time, and the attorney general fought us to get to the truth about our daughter. I have a special place for the Attorney General because I feel he had let us down. But as the father of a victim of a homicide, I think he will always wear the stain of this terrible conclusion that he has drawn and he's putting out to the public that he did a thorough examination and that this was a suicide. I can't believe this. I find it very difficult and I will never forget that he did that, which broke my heart. I was like, yeah. So at this point, the Greenbergs are feeling incredibly frustrated. The whole community behind the Greenberg family is just feeling like there's never hope. Then luckily, they ended up finding someone else to work with, Tom Brennan, the lead investigator in the Ellen Greenberg case. He's a retired 25-year state police veteran. Are y'all ready for this? Well, I thought you were about to say 25-year-old, and I'm like, dang. No, (laughs) it made me tear up a little bit because it's, God bless him. So he was a 25-year state police veteran and a former chief, and he decided to work for this case for free. Mm. For free! So he looked at everything, and one thing that he had brought up that was very interesting was it's not a done deal when someone doesn't have some defense wounds. It doesn't mean that it's definitely a suicide. Right. He had brought up that he had worked on several cases or had even heard of other cases where someone was stabbed to death, but they didn't have any defense wounds whatsoever. He said it's specifically known as something called a blitz attack. Exactly. Which is where you attack the victim with such surprise and so fast that they barely see it coming and they barely know what's happening. So her father said in this little clip, someone comes after you and starts stabbing you from behind. You can't Mm -hmm. defend yourself. And I think the police term for that is a blitz attack. That's what our consultant Tom Brennan told us. And he's a former state trooper and he is called a legend here in central Pennsylvania. So that's what her dad was saying. Yeah. So he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Right. And he's respected by the police, so they should listen to him. And he's a decent human police. being that mm-hmm. is offering to work on this case for no money whatsoever. Yeah. Nothing in return. Also, the crime scene photo showed a stream of blood running horizontally down Ellen's cheek. Hmm. This was actually going from the side of her nose down her left cheek to her ear. Mm-hmm. But if you remember, her body was found sitting upwards. Mm-hmm. She was leaned up against the cabinet. So how could that motion even happen? It would mean that she would have been lying down at some point. So in 2015, a Philadelphia homicide prosecutor named Guy DeAndra reviewed Ellen's entire case file. And he said that when he did, he could not find a neuropathology report. So he requested one mm-hmm. from the police. Mm-hmm. And the examiner's office, are you ready? Say, no. Don't say they that. said it either couldn't be found, we oh. lost it, or it just doesn't exist, meaning we didn't do it. So it's our fault, it's our fault, it's our fault. Exactly. So this, mm-hmm, the police ain't done with their stupidity. I'll just wait. Oh, God. 
So, you know, hearing that, it's very disappointing, obviously. Yeah. Because that's, that's a very that's a very important report. Yeah. So her father said, Guy DeAndra is in, uh, is in private practice, and he has reviewed the case. And if you go to Oxygen or Guy himself, you'll find out what he thought was wrong with the case. So, like, he's saying, there's an episode on Oxygen. Mm-hmm talking about it and then like if you go if you see guy out himself and like asking about it like he'll he'll tell you yeah, he's gonna tell you he ain't holding back like he sing like a canary mm-hmm. <laughs> they also found out that the medical examiner did not even have one on staff at the time of ellen's death but they did have someone who could work on the spine but there was no request to look over ellen's spinal column at all even though it was stabbed around 11 times you're just not gonna have a medical examiner on staff <laughs> Wait, they didn't have a medical examiner? Not on staff, but they or, had uh, someone who could work on the spine. And there wasn't even a request to look over her spinal column at all. I, mm. I just don't even have words anymore. Yeah, so there's still the question of whether or not the stab wounds to the back of Ellen's neck severed or damaged her spinal cord. And even though the prior medical examiner said that they didn't, which wouldn't allow Ellen to keep functioning, possibly continue to stab herself while she's numb... Ellen's family just has a really hard time believing them. So then Tom Brennan, that police officer that ended up working for him for free, he ended up finding out that they had a piece of Ellen's spinal cord saved at the medical examiner's office. So he got in contact with the forensic pathologist Wayne Ross to examine it, and he concluded something completely different than the first pathologist. He said... That one of the stab wounds penetrated Ellen's cranial cavity and severed the cranial nerves and brain. And as a result, she would experience severe pain. She would have been impaired severely, if not completely, have lost her consciousness at at that point. Mm -hmm. And he also reported that there were signs of strangulation. Oh. Dun, 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 dun. Uh So her father said, and when I... Every time I say her father said, this is a video clip of him, like he is reporting himself talking about mm. all of this. He said this, there was a stab wound in an upper direction into her skull that severed her spine and damaged her brain that makes her unable to do these things. Imagine how hard it would be not just for a mental, not just from a mental standpoint, but a physical standpoint to thrust a knife into your body. The knife that was found in her chest was with her left hand. She's right-handed. No, 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 no. So, in addition to this, Henry Lee, who testified for the defense at O.J. Simpson's murder trial. Oh, Dr. Lee. Also reviewed the medical examiner's files, and he concluded that the number and types of wounds and bloodstains, or bloodstain patterns, Mm -hmm. observed are consistent with a homicide scene. And Tom Brennan brought up the fact that there are tons of videos online showing various methods of manipulating swing bar locks from the outside so it's possible for someone to have been able to lock the door from the outside. Hence, Sam. Anyway. Mm. Also, her stab wounds were wounds. Wounds (laughs) were through her clothes, which is not typical for people that do take their own lives through stabbing. Normally, people lift the clothing clothing item up i wouldn't have even thought of that but that makes makes complete sense sense. yeah okay so what i'm about to say is crazy 
Okay. Even crazier than all this other shit. I know. The medical examiner even missed this at first. They were the ones that said that there was nothing on her phone, nor her computer, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that was concerning or a red flag. But there definitely was. They ended up having a computer forensic expert look at her computer, and they found some pretty disturbing things. They found the search terms quick suicide, painless suicide, and suicide method. Her father said, the only evidence that I can think of that I can say this was a suicide was apparently on Ellen's computers. There were searches for painless suicides. In fact, that was the main basis of the attorney general when the case was thrown up there. When the attorney general got the case, I was being represented by a former attorney general. Number one, they had a meeting with the attorney general, people who were former people in Philadelphia. Did you get that? Mm-hmm. Like former police yeah. meeting with the attorney okay. general? Yeah, because oh. I realized I didn't say, oh my God. So they were just reexamining their own case. Which I'm sure would have a base, a bot. I'm knocking shit over. They said things that were impossible that they had examined the computers, didn't find nothing, but then bam, that's going, you know. Uh, The former people that I was talking about, Mm -hmm. well, they didn't come on the case until 2008, okay? Okay. And the computers were locked up from 2015. So how would they how would they have said that there wasn't any red flags? Because so they just didn't check it. Yeah, basically they said that there was no red flags, but that they didn't come on it until two thousand eight until two thousand and eighteen, and the computer had been locked up since two thousand and fifteen. So they would, didn't even have any access to this computer. Right. But there were no red flags. Right. There can't be if you don't search it. Exactly. Oh, these people. When the police were asked how they could have missed something like that, they basically said that they didn't find they didn't find the analysis in the DA's file, so they cannot say if anyone, police or prosecutor, ever even looked at it. So basically, they're the just Green- saying that because they know they didn't. Yeah. So basically, the Greenbergs are dealing with incredibly bad police. They're dealing with every possible obstacle that could have the slightest chance. Of arising after something like this happens. And it's all happening in one freaking case. Yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. We couldn't find anything because we didn't look. Yeah. No shit. Like, that's basically what they said. Like, oh, we couldn't find anything because we don't know if anybody searched. Well, yeah. That's obvious. That's why we're here. Okay. Like, it's like ah! they're saying we didn't look because there wasn't anything there. Yeah. And there wasn't anything there when we looked. Like, yeah. what? Like, what are you talking like, about? Even- so her father said, I don't trust Philadelphia police at all. I don't think very much of them. Right. I think they have Same. fought us every which way to, to prevent us from getting to the truth or what I think is the truth or was their original truth. Because mm-hmm. originally, you know, by that, I mean the original medical examiner diagnosis of the case of matter of death was homicide. So we did offer the Attorney General, Josh Shapiro, all the mountain of evidence of experts we had and evidence we had to show that this was a homicide. He declined. Oh. He declined even to speak to the experts about this. For what? Because he's an S, 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 asshole. He's an S. If you're in that line of work, it's your job to protect and serve so if you have to serve a family in whatever way they need to help them get through it 
freaking do it. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, if it was their child. Oh, yeah. Child. If it was their child, they p- would probably already have the person who did it in jail. You know, yeah. they would preach my sister. Right. They also looked into Ellen's text. Oh, finally. And Ellen had texted her mom on January 8th saying, I'm starting the med. I know you don't understand, but I can't keep leaving with feeling this way. Nine days later, Ellen also texted her mom and said, Kalanapin helped, thank God. Her mom said, so happy for you. She said, me too, oh my God. And the day before Ellen's death, her mother texted her and said, you need to see a professional. And Ellen replied, okay, I'm trying, just scared a bit for everything. So at the time, so as the time went on, the family still got no definitive answer on pretty much all their questions. Shocker. In October of 2019, the family feud. Oh, y'all are probably like, what? There was a family feud. The family filed. A civil lawsuit against the Philadelphia Medical Examiner's Office and the pathologist that conducted the first autopsy. And they were hoping to get the Medical Examiner's Office to change their ruling from undetermined to homicide. Uh, They also believed that the Medical Examiner's Office was pressured into agreeing with the police and Mm -hmm. changing their finding to undetermined. Her father said the police coerced Dr. Osborne to change that to a suicide. But that is not the police's job. The job of the medical examiner is to determine the cause of manner of death. Mm Mm-hmm. On his own. Like, you would think the police would know that. They do know that. So, to this day, their lawyers and everyone on their team and, of course, their family. Just say it's not possible that Ellen gave herself 20 stab wounds. Right. To them, and I think to a lot of people that's listening, hopefully a lot of people, but mm-hmm. us, us three, just does not make any sense. <clears throat> Excuse me. One thing that they pointed out in their lawsuit was that Ellen had two types of wounds from the knives. Some of them are from a smooth knife, and some are from a serrated knife. Question. Yes. Did they look at the knives that were in the sink? We're getting there. Okay. Okay, so let me see where I was at before Sarah distracted me with her question. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Sorry. Just kidding. Okay, so I'll just repeat this. Some of them are from a smooth knife and some are from a serrated knife. Mm. Experts on the case argue that especially the wound on her head seems to definitely be from a serrated knife and the rest are from the smooth knife. So they think that there were two knives involved. I mean, obviously there has to be. Right. So there's just plenty of questions that need to be answered. You know, they argue that since that other knife is like nowhere to be found, someone could have disposed of the knife. And of course, we have the question of Sam. (laughs) So I'm sure some of y'all, and I know y'all plus me, are wondering, what do they think of Sam? So, the family really liked Sam. They really liked him in the beginning. They had good impressions of him. You know, they've still talked to him. And Sandy said, her mother, that she has brought it up to him. And she's never straight up accused him of anything. But every time she ends her conversation with him, she says, I know my daughter's death was not a suicide. 
she said that there's always this awkward <coughs> moment of silence. Uh-huh. Sam hasn't done any interviews. He really has stayed very quiet throughout this whole thing. You know, I'm not blaming him or anything because innocent until proven guilty. But it's hard not to speculate. Speculate and want to be like, yeah, he did it. Because, you know. Especially with all the stuff that the family's going through and mm-hmm. they're so vocal about everything. And yeah. he's just he sitting back. Yeah. yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, him not being a suspect. I mean, I guess my brain's fried from all the bullshit I've had to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The police. Okay. So. He is not considered a suspect, but recently in May of 2020, this is where oh. this is where the tea gets gets down. Some more details, details, some more details <laughs> have come out about Sam and how he reacted to everything on the day of. As I said earlier, Sam claimed that when he was kicking down the door, the security guard Phil was with him. Y'all so, remember? Yeah. Right. <clears throat> However. Turns out, old Mr. Phil said he never left his desk that day, and he was not with Sam that day when he kicked down the door. How is this just not being verified, but okay. Yep. Another thing that Phil ended up telling police was that Sam was wearing boots that day, not sneakers, which is weird because he supposedly just come from the gym. It was also discovered that Sam had called two other numbers, y'all, mm-mm-mm, before he called 911. Who, who was that? He called his parents. Oh, okay. And he called his uncle, who's a fucking attorney. Oh, before I check on the love of my life that I'm about to marry, let me make sure I call my attorney because I'm going to probably be a suspect. But look at him. I mean, what luck. So, yeah, I was like, I cannot believe it. They were on their way to the scene before emergency stuff. Emergency services even were, which blows my mind, and I'm sure it blows y'all stupid. Y'all look at me like deer in the headlights, like what's going on? The darn tootin' we are. I mean, to me, that's a red flag. Yeah, at this point, they haven't even oh, yeah. yeah done CPR yet. Like they haven't I mean, even tried lot, to do anything. Yeah, along with other things he's done too, and said like the security guard was with him. No, he wasn't. He lied. That's something that could be easily checked out too. All they gotta do is go downstairs and be like, "Hey, Phil, so you were with them?" And then he'd be like, "No," but they couldn't. Yeah, even but it was okay, so we need to take you down for questioning, sir. Yeah. So there are also reports that during the nine one one call, Sam was incredibly calm, which doesn't necessarily mean someone's guilty. Right. Some people do act calm, or they're shocked, you know, and they seem calm. But also, when Sam was uh, asked to start CPR. He said, do I have to? And when he realized there was a knife inside of her, he said, hmm, she must have fallen on it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, she must have Not, fallen on Oh, my on God. It. Oh, my God. Somebody stabbed her. And yeah. the awesome part, you know, is they weren't able to look at him as a suspect because it was ruled a homicide or a suicide. Remember? So, once the death was ruled a suicide, they really weren't able to make him come in, do any any uh, interviews or make him participate in anything, you know, because it was a suicide. Another thing that they have recently put out is that there was a, there was blood on Ellen's Ugg boots, which makes them believe that she was standing when she was first attacked. Mm -hmm. They believe, that was a big breath, they believe that since there was such little blood at the crime scene that maybe someone had tried cleaning the crime scene before the police arrived. There was never a luminol test. Did I say that right? Yes, mm-hmm. you did. Performed 
So we have no way of knowing, you if know, it was or not. what blood could have been wiped up or cleaned. Okay, so it was found and announced recently that the door was not actually kicked down. What is happening? When you, whenever you hear someone say, "I kicked the door down," what do you, what do you? What's it look like? Yeah, I think they kicked the door down. (laughs) The only damage that was found on the door and lock was a missing screw and some wood damage on the on the door where the lock is screwed in, and the screw was never found, and there were no wood pieces from the door found like laying around. A lot of people think that someone picked up the screw and the wood pieces, which is weird. So it was discovered that Sam's uncle. And his cousins returned to the crime scene the day after. Um, they came back after they had already been there the day of. They grabbed Ellen's personal laptop, Sam's laptop, nice. Ellen's work laptop, and her cell phone before police ever had their hands on it. So they're the ones that typed in all of those searches <clears throat> to make it look like a suicide. Mm-hmm. We're almost, almost to the end. Her father said that the computers were probably not good evidence. The computers were removed from Ellen's apartment by the fiancé's uncle. This pisses me off. So, Sam is now in his late 30s. He's actually gotten remarried, which, I mean, they never got married. So, I don't know if I said remarried. Unless he was married before. I don't really. Right. Um, And he, and is a father of two now. Hmm. He lives in New York. As I mentioned before, he remained in contact with the family uh, for a year or so following Ellen's death, but eventually that communication completely dropped off. His last communication with Ellen's parents was that he had moved on and he was getting married. He's been <laughs> pretending like I care about this because I murdered her. Mm-hmm. Possibly. But I Allegedly. Yeah. Just our opinion. Now, the family is waiting on the state to hand over the file on Ellen's death, and they are also trying to get their hands on the surveillance footage from the apartment complex. I mean, you should have a right to these things. Like, yeah. like, why do you have to fight so hard to get that information? You shouldn't have to. No, you shouldn't no. have to. It's ridiculous. Uh, another thing they haven't gotten their hands on is Sam's 911 call, which, I mean, I feel I was would tell us that. a lot about mm-hmm. that day. Because mm-hmm. you've I got people like who can analyze it, you know, who have degrees in psychology and stuff and can kind of read how people are reacting and interpret it and stuff. Yep. Yeah. We need that. Changes in their voice and all kinds of stuff. Sad. Sad, sad, sad. So Ellen's family is so heartbroken that her parents just want answers. Obviously, um, I couldn't imagine knowing what happened. But in a situation like this. It's one of those, like, you don't <clears throat> want to know, but you, you have to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, her mother said it's almost 10 years since she's been gone. No more birthdays, no more Thanksgivings, no more July 4th, no more anniversaries. And this is her saying this. In the interest of supporting Ellen, you can follow us on Facebook at Justice for Ellen. We're trying to work through the justice system, and you can't imagine the amount of pushback we have gotten every step of the way. We're asking for the authorities to look at the evidence, just look at the facts. If you're able to, go and follow their Facebook page. That's one thing that they've asked for. They need more attention for this case so that they can take it to the courts and stuff. And um, Ellen's parents scored a significant legal victory in January of 2020 uh, when the Philadelphia Court of Common Pleas allowed the case to proceed past the motion to dismiss stage. Okay. The trial is set to begin this year. So hopefully 
they uh, get their hands on the 911 call and all that other stuff. I just can't get over how they didn't sweep the apartment. They didn't do any of like no. the basic luminol test. I mean, that's just like standard protocol for anything like this. No, they well, when they you just, do your freaking job. Yeah, well, they didn't have to do any of that because they ruled it as a suicide from the beginning, even though she had all these stab wounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thinking if you're a police officer, how many times have you seen that? Yeah, I feel like that'd be the only way you'd be like, well, I have seen like five or six suicide cases where people did this, aka murders that are being <laughs> considered suicides. Like, how could you even think that? Did I mention how old she was? We said she was born in like 87. But 83. Oh, 83. Well, she was 27 yeah. when this happened. Young. Yeah. We'll definitely put her, uh, the family's Facebook page in the yeah, show can, notes. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's sad case. Yeah. Sad open case, and uh, I keep saying, um, um, <laughs> it's just ending on such a bleak note. I know, yeah. I just need to know. Like, I, I he did it, I don't care, he did it. I think he did it, yeah. My personal opinion, I think he did it, Sam. I do too. I'm not a police officer, but I feel like I may have been able to do a better job than the police right. officer, yeah. but at this point, I mean, my dog could have fucking caught the killer, so yeah. That uh, concludes today's episode of Scorning Man Show Game. <laughs> but we hope you enjoyed it. We'll just look at it this way. Even if we only have, what, 46 listeners now? That's 46 more people that's going to hear about it that may not have. That's true. Yeah. And if you haven't heard about it, go, <laughs> <laughs> go to their Facebook page and like and follow the good people. Good people. And if you have any suggestions that you personal want us to do, crime, personal stuff, mm-hmm, you can email us at ScreamingSugarPodcast at gmail.com, correct? Yeah. And follow us on Instagram at ScreamingSugarPodcast. Yeah. Also on Instagram, you get to see pictures of the people and locations. Oh, yeah. Descriptions of the picture. Well, we hope you keep listening and remember to... Keep it sweet.